0: All right, welcome back to the podcast. We're excited to have you guys joining us today. Joining us in studio, we have a very special guest. Uh, that is Wayne Hoffman, the Looking president. Well, we're waiting for our special (laughs) guest. Who else is coming? They didn't show, so we have
1: Wayne.
0: We have Wayne Hoffman. He's the president of the Idaho Freedom Foundation, and we wanted to bring him on here today to wrap up the legislative session, talk about some conservative wins, some areas of opportunity that we can focus on next time, and kind of what their path forward is going to look like. Before we do that, let's talk about what's coming up.
1: Josh, I think you should tell us because there's a bunch of Liberty Days coming up and you're attending what? Bonneville's? What I,
0: I have two more I'm attending this year. Okay. And that's it. Nice. So one of them is going to be on the 15th. Okay. Uh, so Kyle. that is in Bonneville and that's going to be with uh, Dr. James Lindsay as their keynote and then also Kyle Rittenhouse. That'll be interesting. Yes. It'll be cool. Mm-hmm. I I think I'm going specifically for Kyle Rittenhouse. Is
1: Kyle like. moving to Idaho? Seems to be what they all do. <laughs> like, come to Idaho. Supposedly, they think it's free. Right, Allegedly,
0: <laughs> right. yeah. I
2: hear that it's Republican. That must
0: mean it's conservative.
1: Right. Oh, good yeah. luck on that. Look buddy. at their governor. A little longer, yeah. Yeah, I
0: yeah, know a lot of people have this huge misconception when it comes to Idaho, you know, that it's a free state. And uh, Californians, actually, I we were talking about it with uh, Alex Stein when he was on. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, he was like, oh, Californians are ruining Texas. They're moving in. And I was like... Well, yeah, it's because the people who moved to Cali- from California to Texas mm-hmm. moved there for big tech jobs. The people who moved from California to Idaho were seeking refuge. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they didn't do their homework enough.
2: Yeah, I mean they're at least what I call the um, the blind cave fish. You know, so the, they have the these fish are called cave fish and they live in caves mm-hmm. and uh, they have eyes but they can't see and. For years, scientists, such as scientists are, uh, thought, well, they must have these eyes that they can't see with because they have no need for them. But then, as they studied them a little bit more in depth, they found that the fish that could see just a little bit, they were blind, mostly blind, but not all blind, they would look for the little speck of light and swim out of there. Hmm. And that's what they're doing, is they're swimming away. They they recognize that there's a problem, and they're coming to places like Idaho. And you want those people here. I love the ex-Californians here. And, of course, you will meet an ex-Californian who... Is lost um, their way. Lost they're their way. they're yep. here for all the wrong reasons, or they might even think they're conservative because they voted for Arnold Schwarzenegger for governor. My <laughs> right. But but the point is is that I think the majority of the folks who have come here from other states, they are definitely on our side, and that's good. That's been very healthy for Idaho. And that's not just a new thing. That's been going on since the late nineties. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah,
0: yeah. I didn't move here from California. I moved here from most recently Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was kind of the same concept when I came here. Now. I actually came here to get custody of my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's why I moved to Idaho. And my plan was, originally was, I'm going to get her. Once I get custody, I'm moving. I'm going south. And I, I just I fell in love with Idaho. I love Idaho. It's a beautiful, beautiful yep, state. It's right. the best. Yep.
1: We really looked at like, all the conservative states and then thought, we, we need to be able to still see family, so we need to stay on this side of the map. And so we couldn't really look too much beyond Texas and Idaho. For conservative values, we weren't going to go into Florida or any of the other. Like, well, if Florida wasn't conservative. You know, fl- Florida could go.
2: Florida's tricky. That's I reason. mean, a lot of what, what's happening in Florida is because they have a really decent governor, whereas we no. don't.
0: Mm-hmm. But When it comes to Florida and when it comes to Ron like We had Roger Stone on our show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you know Roger Stone, I've known him for a few years now. If there's one thing you know about him is that he's a very loyal person and he kind of expects the same. So, you know, for him, it's Donald Trump, 100 percent, you know, to the grave. But, you know, if you do look at some of the stuff that DeSantis has done, you know, on paper, it looks great because he'll say things. It's like, wow, that's exactly what we want to hear. But then he backs off. He backs off a lot of things that he says. And a lot of things that he does are by executive order, and that's it's mm-hmm. not a way to govern. In my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean the problem is, is that he's the skinny kid at the fat camp, if you will. Uh, among Republican governors, he's he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you could do a lot better, and and uh, frankly, you should be doing a lot better in places like Idaho, where you've got 1.8 million people instead of uh, many millions more. They I don't know what the figure is mm-hmm. in Florida, but they have many more the uh, the populace is very different. They've got these huge swaths of very rural areas, and then they've got this very urban. Then they've also got a lot of... Um, uh, my, my family, that's where I was born, I was born in Florida, um, after the Jewish diaspora from places like New York down to places like Florida. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds there whose expectations of government are very different, and that ebbs and flows. But here for generations generations in fact going back to before statehood the idea of idaho was born out of the the purest ideas of rugged individualism and freedom in the north you've got the lewis and clark legacy Mm -hmm. in the south you've got the oregon trail and of course with the the southern part of the state people who came through here and stayed um who homesteaded and made Idaho their home for generations. And they didn't come here saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to move to Idaho so that we can have uh, free health care or anything like that. They they knew that they were on their own mm-hmm. and they loved that about this place. Um, so I think there's uh, so much more opportunity in a place like Idaho and it's just untapped potential. Yeah. And I'd also add that it sort of goes back to the brilliance of our founders, because they they kind of understood, they knew history. They read history, they lived history, they understood history, and they knew that no matter how good a government you could devise, there was a possibility you can elect a complete moron to the White House, or a living corpse in the case of Biden. Uh, both of those things I think are true um, and you know that Congress wouldn't be your salvation either it was in the individual states but what happens if every state in America is socialist then you've got a problem that is the one thing that it's the reason why they believed in an educated society an electorate because they're the ones who held power but when those people forget what their rights are and forget how powerful they are then you lose. So that's where we are.
1: Well and like segueing into then what about Idaho and the fact that we couldn't get an ESA pass this year and there was no real education strides. Well yeah let me
2: let's let's Mm -hmm. back up a little bit because I think it's very important to put everything in perspective Mm -hmm. because at the end of every legislative session everyone's whining about all the Mm -hmm. bad things that happen and there are good things that did take place. Mm-hmm. And similarly like with every election cycle, it's like, oh, it's a terrible election because my guy lost the race for something. And every election cycle, somebody that you love who you think should have won is gonna lose. And that doesn't mean that the entire election cycle was terrible. Mm-hmm. So going back to where we started and and I, I worked for Bill Sally. I was his communications director when he was in Congress. And when he lost, we as conservatives thought that we had erased 20 years of progress as conservatives, and we shifted that narrative. So we started the Freedom Foundation, that was the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, and then we started the Idaho Freedom Index. When we started the Idaho Freedom Index, out of 105 legislators, there were five, five that were voting on our side. Wow. Now, of course, it was still a supermajority Republican legislature, Mm -hmm. but there were five that were voting on our side. Um, I didn't look at the count before I came in and where, where we are in this legislative session, but I'm gonna guess that if you consider the people that are voting seventy percent and higher in the House, it's probably about half and half. Mm-hmm. And then the Senate, there's about ten ish, very solid votes. <clears throat> the Senate is very important in particular because last legislative session, the twenty twenty-two legislative session, there were This many, two 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 that were on our side, and one of them was a little squishy. (laughs) And so you had one solid person out of 35 members. This time we're about 10 to Mm 12-ish, depending on on the vote, Um, as high as 17 on really key issues. Mm -hmm. Um, We still have a ways to go. Let me give you another perspective. In the Senate, most of the roll call votes are done by unanimous consent. And you're talking about 300 some odd votes year after year after year. It's unanimous consent, and then some of that's procedural, but but majority of it is um, a bill will pass 35 to zero, and then another bill will come up, and a member of the body will say, "Mr. President, I ask unanimous consent that the roll call used on this other bill that passed 35 to zero now be used for this bill." And without any objections, the roll call is done 35 to zero. Wow. And it's sort of um it's a cultural thing. And it's also, a, it's part of human function. You know, you don't want to be mm. the one guy or girl that stands up and says, no, you need to go through the whole procedure of go- calling the roll because I want to vote no. Is mm. it really worth it to put everybody out for this?
1: For six, seven minutes from what I've heard, it, it, it takes can, a while. It can
2: take a while. Mm-hmm. What's really fascinating is I went back and looked at 20 years of Senate voting. And the, year after year, it's at least, it's around 60% of the votes are done by unanimous consent. This last legislative session, it's about 25%. Okay. That's progress. That's more, right. That's yeah. progress. Mm-hmm. That is, and in fact, you even heard the lieutenant governor at one point in time say when they got a 35-0 vote, finally, like on the, second to last day of the legislative session, there's that elusive 35-0 vote because it was. It was elusive Uh, for good reason. People were asking questions about everything, budget bills, policy bills, um, the narrative that this is just a housekeeping bill or something that an agency wanted. And so even though a lot of bad things passed, um, and some good things that should have passed, didn't pass. We we have made a tremendous amount of progress. And I tell you this having, this is my 29th legislative session. Mm. This is as conservative as I've ever seen it. Do we still have a ways to go? Yes. Mm-hmm. But we've made a lot of progress and that's important.
1: Yeah. That is encouraging. That's, yeah, It's kind of what I said at the last Liberty Dinner. And I got some.
2: Because you have to know that. You have to understand that we are actually winning more than we ever have. And we're unwinding decades of lethargy and inertia we're, we're we're just you know we're just kind of going along and growing government year after year it's the whole reason why we do this freedom index exercise is because it's usually not one colossal bill that grows government i mean it's there are examples of that last legislative session mm-hmm. including um, but it's usually one thing after another it's 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 paper cut after paper cut after paper cut and measuring that year after year, you get to see what it's doing on the size and scope of government. So just the fact that that narrative has changed, that now they can't pass as many things as they used to or it's actually a struggle um, is is really good. Again, not to say that you know we're related with the outcome on everything, but there are there's a list of things. I got three pages of victories from last legislative session or from this Mm -hmm. one that just concluded where in the 2021 session, I couldn't count. I I couldn't count any. There was nothing. There was nothing. This
0: year we counted a lot of stuff, really good stuff. There's a lot more pressure as, as Mm -hmm. stated, you know, when we were talking to Ron Nate and Maria Nate, there's a lot more pressure this legislative session from the conservative side. Of course you have the freedom index, you know, which a lot of people do rely on. They don't have time to read 300 bills and, and make a decision. So they look at your twelve points and say, "I agree with that" or "I don't." And if they agree with it, they'll look at that and use that kind of as as a way to a look. Rubric him. Yeah, look mm-hmm. at people's votes, and it's a good way for the next, you know, race to to bring that up and and say, "Hey, here's here's our concerns because I agree with these key principles." But now you have the Freedom Caucus, right, mm-hmm. which was down there as well. But I think I think the breakaway one is stop Idaho rhinos. I'm going to keep saying that because. They were clipping and getting clips out
1: instantly. Fast, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like that. Every time. Whack my <laughs> microphone. I mean, they were just they were blowing it out of the water. And usually it's one of those things where people you guys would live stream, you know, the sessions on the floor and things like that. But I mean, they were in the committees too. And that's that's insane. Most of the time the only clips you see is like, you know, oh I went and testified, I better I better go get that and use it for my own clout, that sort of thing. So it's, it's been a real game changer. Yep.
2: There, there's a lot more attention being paid to what's going on over there. There's a lot more uh, activity uh, involvement on the, the part of the citizenry. Um, there's just uh, 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 the, the central committees are doing things that they've never done. Uh, I remember going back to central committees years ago and, you know, the legislators would come back from Boise and they'd sit in their little stools in front of the crowd and the crowd of maybe 30 or 40 people would say, well, what happened this last legislative session? And they'd say, well, we fought for conservative principles and everybody would applaud. Yeah. Um, now they're going back to the central committee meetings and they're being asked tough questions. And you see what happened, obviously, in Canyon County with uh, uh, you know, certain actions being taken against the uh, members who haven't voted very well from this area area um people are asking questions i mean we we, we there's there's a guy in kootenay county who we think is doing a, a respectable job not a fantastic job on policy votes but is doing terribly on spending bills mm-hmm. and so people are looking at it and they're asking questions that never happened before no one ever asked about a budget vote mm-hmm. ever yeah
1: true mm-hmm.
2: yeah so it's these are the 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 tide is turning, and the and the the establishment folks are very nervous. They're very upset mm-hmm. because they know. Okay, so you look at it and you go, okay, um, a typical vote might pass a bill might pass twenty four to ten. The ten being our people, and they know that if you get to you know sixteen to eighteen, that becomes a problem,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it changes everything.
1: Yep. You know what else is a problem is when our Senate Ed committee says no and doesn't just rubber stamp everybody that is... I think that was a big deal this year. That was a was, very big deal, and that
2: was the, you, the the Senate has a function and the purpose of the f- Senate, and among other things, is to approve the the uh, gubernatorial appointments. And you had two key ones in the uh, Senate Education Committee. By the way, first time we've had a Senate Education Committee that was conservative in ever. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, now if that happened in the 1920s or the 18. 18- uh, uh, 90s. I, I don't know. I, I, I suspect the answer is no. I look back at some of the legislative history, and my theory is that it's always been pretty left of center from the from statehood. Um, so, but at least in my experience, and then going back into the more modern history than to the 1960s, it's always been a very left of center committee now you have a majority conservative committee and so they took an appointment to the uh, public charter school commission and sank that appointment which was amazing mm-hmm. um, they were not confident on the uh, state board of education appointment mm-hmm. david hill and so their recommendation was to not confirm um, but unfortunately that one passed but the point is that again mm-hmm. the tide is turning that and you have to look at these changes which to the outside observer might seem inconsequential let me tell you something again my 29th legislative session this is big mm. something big is happening here and it's really good That's let great. me ask you a question when did you guys start the spending index the spending index started in um, I'm gonna say 2021 mm, and then we so we so we did it so it was kind of a a trial and then we did it again in 2022 two and what the way we did it was we took select bills and the obj- the measurement was is there a s- sincere objection or a sincere reason to support a piece of legislation and either of those things would be a net minus one or, or plus one mm-hmm. and we just did a handful of bills yeah. this year we changed the metrics and there's uh, I think there's Another dozen different things that we look for in spending bills is different from the Freedom Index, and you could have a minus, you know, a lot, <laughs> you know, whatever that might be. There were bills that were like minus five, yeah, or minus four, and that did change the discussion because, and we did all the bills, all the spending. See, even on policy bills, we don't do all the policy bills. We look at every bill to see if it fits in with our metrics and some bills don't fit in with the metrics and we don't rate, we didn't rate the, uh, should the state have a dinosaur bill for mm-hmm. example. Um, and so you, you, there are bills you just kind of discard, but every budget bill, you got to do every budget bill. So you do. Yeah. And that really tells you a lot. There are people who vote well, on
0: the freedom index, mm-hmm. who vote very poorly That's on the what spending index. <laughs> I know, I'm like Jeff uh, Cornelius. <laughs> you know, what's yeah. funny. So we <laughs> had Ron and Marie on last mm-hmm. week, and Kirsten. You know, and I'll, I'll give you a chance mm-hmm. to redeem yourself if you want. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have been really excited with Jeff Cornelius. I, I was wrong excited. about him. She's like, he's voted right on everything. No,
1: nope, not right on everything. I literally everything said, no. I said too. I was pleasantly surprised to find that he voted along with a lot of our Liberty people on things that were more social. I'm going to like then. Yeah. I didn't look at a lot of fiscal. I've got to be honest, except for age 24, which freaked me out. But otherwise I didn't know.
2: Well, and that's the thing that I want people to understand is that is a very, very important component of what we do and and what the legislature does, because the only thing the legislature does do every year is pass a budget. Mm -hmm. But here's, here's what's happening, and I kind of wrote about this in my last column. It's legal theft. And it's not just happening in the policy bills like House Bill 24, the governor's, if you can fog a mirror and, and you're kind to me enough in, in, a, in the right kind of way, then we'll give you the $8,000 to get a training at, at the business of one of my donors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Medicaid, for example. Yep. Um, medic- what's the largest program in all the state government? It's Medicaid. Oh, Medicaid yeah. no and medication. that's crazy. And, it, and it's, it's doubled in just the last few years. Fred, if he were here, he could give you the exact figures. But worse than that, so they steal money from us. They literally point a gun at us. and I say literally because that's what they do because if you don't pay your your taxes, they're going to show up at your door with a gun. Mm-hmm. And it won't be just a thumb and a and a forefinger. it's going to be an actual gun demanding that you know they you come with them and 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 all that kind of stuff because that's you have to pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. What do they do with your tax money? They take your tax money and they spend it on bs programs like Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And they do it with the idea that we're helping.
1: We're we're, we're saving
2: your life. You're protecting you from, you know, you might get sick or something, and you can now go see your doctor because Medicaid. uh, Thank me very much for for saving you. And that's not what's really happening. What's really happening to the bulk of the population is they're going in and they're getting psychotropic drugs, antidepressant, anti-anxiety medicines, Mm -hmm. which detach them from their communities, from their friends, from their family. And doesn't actually solve the mental health problems, which we can go down a rabbit hole and talk Mm -hmm. about what's causing those things. Mm -hmm. But suffice it to say, we're paying for those types of treatments, which then cause other kinds of problems in their bodies that they have to go get more treatments for. This is the medical industrial complex at work. And that manifests itself in the budget discussion. Do you pay for this big program? And somebody asked me, I had dinner with some people last night, friends of mine, and they, that somebody, uh, um, one of my friends asked, um, why is there a giant pothole on the freeway as you go towards Nampa? And, and I don't know which pothole that is. I'm sure there are several. But anyway, um, the reason is uh, ostensibly because all the money that would be used to pay for potholes is right going on. to Medicaid and other dumb programs. Mm-hmm. You don't have the money to fix roads. We can argue about whether the government should be in the road building business at all. Another discussion for another day. But if you assume that the government should be building roads, connecting point A to point B and uh, uh, helping facilitate commerce and, and so on arguable point that very esoteric at this point right now. However, if you argue that's what they should be doing, then if you don't have money for that, it's because it's going somewhere else. And a big part of that somewhere else is Medicaid.
1: Yeah. And we did shrink it a little bit. There's a lot of people on who shouldn't be on it. Yeah, yes. and this was this was a, a
2: this was a good outcome not the best outcome mm-hmm. what we did and this is part of what my team does is we looked at the budget and we looked at the number of people who were supposed to be coming off of medicaid there are a lot of folks who were added on to medicaid under the pandemic COVID, yes. <laughs> and uh, are we allowed to say that or mm-hmm. you get do you get shadow banned or something anyway the um you know, under under the Rules of the pandemic, people were added, but you couldn't take them off unless they died, move out of state, or asked to be taken off. And so there's about 150,000 people. Um, we got, we informed lawmakers of this fact, and the, the House killed the Medicaid bill, which is the first time that's mm-hmm. ever happened. That is another bright point from the legislative session. They killed a Medicaid budget. It's never happened before. Uh, the that and when they kill a budget doesn't mean that they just don't fund it. Although I that would, would be happy with that outcome too, um, they send it back to the committee and the committee looks at it again and they cut 150 million dollars from the governor's budget recommendation. Mm-hmm. Still not enough because it only cuts a fraction of the numbers, about 10 percent of the people who ought to come off of medicaid are coming off under those numbers but that still is a success story that's huge yeah um so again the the people need to pay attention to the budget they need to watch it's your money Mm -hmm. they are stealing it from you Mm -hmm. under the force of law for things that are terrible i mean Medicaid is the example, education, the K-12 through system, the higher education system, mm. all these different things that they're spending, they're spending money on wokeism and racism, yeah. and so people should be calling their legislators and complaining about that as much as they're complaining about House Bill 314, the, the dead uh, library, library bill. bill. that That's mm-hmm. terrible, that mm-hmm. is, don't get me wrong. We supported that bill wholeheartedly. We've been talking about porn and obscenity purchased by government in the libraries for several years now. And we talked about it a lot during the session. But the public doesn't talk about uh, the, the fact that they're spending your money on terrible things and hurting kids and families and businesses.
0: And we yep. we definitely want to get into that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back and we'll follow up on that.
3: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I want to thank each and every one of you for your support by bringing you the pillow that started it all. Get my standard pillow, regularly $49.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Just like all of you, I've tried every pillow out there, and none of them worked. That's why I invented MyPillow. my pillow. My patented fill adjusts your exact individual needs, helps keep your neck aligned, and it holds its shape all night long, regardless of your sleep position, so you get the best sleep of your life. Because it works, we've sold over 70 million MyPillows, and now I'm bringing them to you for the lowest price ever. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen, use your promo code, and you'll get my standard MyPillow for only $19.98. For a more custom fit, my Premium Queen for only $27.98. Or my Premium King, only $34.98. My 60-day money-back guarantees it'll be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own.
0: The unexpected can happen when we least expect it. But with our help, you can be prepared. Hi, my name is Garrett Peterson and I'm with Risk Management Services. We offer comprehensive insurance solutions for your business and your personal life. As your local insurance brokerage, we can provide you with the peace of mind that no matter the situation, we will always have your back. Give us a call today to learn more. Our number is 208 269 1835. Again our number is 208 269 1835. Risk Management Services. We're here to help. Before the break you were talking about, you know, the the spending and the roads and things like that and and also you brought up the the library bill. Yeah. Um let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I do want to talk about some of the wins that we had. Sure. Because we had we had quite a few wins. Yeah. So which ones really stuck out to you, this legislation? Oh, my
2: gosh, there's just so many of them, and I feel like I'm going to miss some that that are very important. Obviously, people know about House Bill 71, which was very important to us, and uh, groups like uh, the Family Policy Council. Um, It was was, uh, a big deal to stop... um, the, the sexualization of children and this sort of brainwashing that's going on, where kids come in, and they say, "I think I'm a different gender," and and that that's just help uh, me transition. Help, yeah, yeah no. it, absolutely, criminals. Mm-hmm. Getting that bill signed was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, What's
1: with a governor taking a poll? Why is that allowed? That's insane. the lamest thing I've ever seen call push one if you want I mean no stop
2: I I I don't know I mean look ultimately what I'm proud of about that bill is not how the governor acted it's Mm -hmm. how the public acted the public sent thousands of uh, petitions and letters and and phone calls and and so forth in Mm -hmm. and uh, that was um, a delight to see that was a really really big deal yeah um, we also saw um, the, some expansion of school choice, which unfortunately isn't what we wanted. We wanted to see education savings account, but there was a bill passed that said, you know, further the open enrollment so you aren't necessarily trapped in a school based on on your zip code, that is good. Um, there was there there was defunding of bad things, which hardly ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is again a substantial component of the bu- uh, of the budget process that we paid attention to. Uh, we had um, a grant program that was paying for people to get. Um, Needles and needle exchange programs in Idaho Portland what so great... that so that you can continue doing your illicit drugs but do it Stay safely safe, right yeah. exactly we defunded that um, the legislature I say we that was one of the yeah. things we worked on uh, the legislature defunded um, the uh, pride events they were spending a lot of money on on pride events supposedly hopefully we'll see we'll pay close attention because you never know but uh, no more spending on pride events. There were bills that were destined to pass that failed, like there was a bill and this is, the, I want to explain this because it's important for people to understand that legislation is complicated and public policy is complicated. There was a bill that basically said if you bought a cell phone in Idaho and mm. activated it in Idaho, you would have a porn filter automatically enabled which would make you as a parent feel safe to say to your two-year-old, here's my phone, have at it because there's a porn filter on there. Everything's going to be fine. Have have a nice day. I'll see you later on. And that bill died in the Senate 18 to 17. Mm. And that bill was terrible because it puts the government in the role of parent and basically gives you the false belief that they're safe. They're safe when they're obviously not. Doesn't block out TikTok, doesn't block out trans propaganda. It's just a way for politicians to feel as if they're accomplishing something um yeah so there's I, I have a i have a list i guess mm-hmm. i can go over but the but the point is that there are a lot of smaller victories there was a bill that was going to increase the fines a substantial increase in fines um for um i think it was inattentive driving so if you're if they if they can if they believe they got you for being on your phone and you're in, in an accident then they're gonna Go and substantially increase the fines, we pointed out that those fines are absurd relative to other fines and killed that so there' were just a mm-hmm. lot there was a bill that was going to change the qualifications for sheriffs that 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 died i mean just a lot of different little things that the establishment folks thought would be an easy win, and it wasn 't there was i mean there was a bill to um, uh, make the uh, Secretary of State's office uh, put out voter guides for crying out loud that died. I mean, th- and people told us there was no way that thing's going to come. It was going to go through there, sail through there. No, it, it didn't. So there are a lot of pieces of legislation that
0: um, that uh, um, didn't make it through the process that were a slam dunk a couple years ago. Yeah, let me ask you a question. I want to. I want to go back to HB seventy one because I think that that's where our big fight's going to be. Um, you know, a lot of liberals are now saying that they're going to sue over it, you know, ACLU and all of them are going to go ahead and hop on board and take on that lawsuit. Do you think it's going to be overturned because we have a more liberal Idaho Supreme Court? Um, well, first
2: of all, I don't know which court they're going to sue in, but the Supreme Court is the state Supreme Court is a problem because yes, the Supreme Court, I mean, it was a three, two decision on, um on abortion uh, last year, which is, and those are some of the governor's appointments, by the way, which he's never been held accountable for. It's like, governor, why did you appoint these people that um, clearly are on the side? Or at least I think he appointed one person uh, very recently who sided with the leftists on on abortion. Um, It could go to a federal court either way. I think it's um, challenging because I don't trust the judiciary for anything. Um, if that happens, there are other things that you can do and, and probably should do. I don't want to give too much away here, right. but there are other mechanisms that you can use to protect children from these kinds of activities. And, and the reason why it's important is because this is a, a leftist conspiracy. This is, this is deep state stuff. They're doing this to undermine the family, and they're doing this to undermine individuals. And take away their liberties and their ability to thrive. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. concerning. It's, it's very concerning. concerning. So yeah, it, it, it's like I said, it, it, courts can do a number of different things, but um, we have a lot of other uh, tricks left in the books to yeah. to stop uh, further meddling in um, the lives of Idahoans.
0: You know, I've I've here's my thing. If somebody wants to transition when they're an adult, while I would advise against it. It's it's not my place, but I do think that we need to protect kids. And I've, I have I, jokingly say it, but it's probably true. I am probably the loudest voice in the nation when it comes to the harms of boys taking hormones. What happens is is a boy who is developing, if you started at 12 years old, whatever your genitalia size is at, it stops the growth. So yeah. if you decide at 18 years old, this was a mistake, I don't know why I fell for this, you're going to have a micropenis. And that's going to impact people, and that's going to lead to a high suicide rate as well Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that people should be concerned about do you know what lupron is
1: population too what lupron i've heard it's drug
0: it's it's a drug that they actually use uh, for boys Mm -hmm. and here's the thing it's used for prostates to treat prostate Mm -hmm. cancer that's right but in other countries it's actually used for pedophiles uh, because what it does is it sexually castrates men yeah and gotcha. they're giving this to little boys and this drug, Ooh. and it's actually, it's a whole thing that um, these these children who are put on these drugs, uh, and even a liberal, I forget what the outlet was, but it's a it's a medical MD online website, mm-hmm. even said that in a study, these children are not able to, and I hate to say it like this because we're talking about children, but when they become adults, mm-hmm. if they realize they were wrong, or even if they don't, and they say, this is how I'm living, I, I made the right choice, because there are like the 2% that, they do follow through with, they're happy with their decision uh, long term. But these people are not able to, I, I don't want to say the word, but essentially they can't have orgasms when they're adults, right? So even if they have a partner, they can't have sexual pleasure, if you will. Right. And if you look at what they're doing to little girls as well, I mean, you've probably seen the barbaric pictures where they take skin off yeah. of arms, they yes. make skim grafts off of arms, and and they're making these artificial
2: but look, look, nail look, male parts. Your 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 kids are kids are,
0: are malleable.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, you could take a kid to um um uh, 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 and they did. This is historically accurate that kids would go to um uh to the gallows in the town square and watch people be executed. They 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 see they absorb everything around them and you can th- your world is what you make for them so if you give them a world where they think that it's perfectly normal for them to take a pill or have some surgery to mm-hmm. see themselves better or different then if the, if that's perceived to be okay by adults they'll go they'll go along with that I, I I this is not a secret. I've written about this. I you know when I was younger, um, I, I really loved. I hung around with all the girls. I did all the girls stuff. Wow. I was on the girls' team. I was terrible at sports. Now now of course I guess that would be that would be different. <laughs> now you'd be good at sports, and then you go on the girls' team. But I was terrible. I was so bad that my ac- my athleticism was comparable to what the girls were doing. So I was always in the the girls' softball, the girls' basketball. Um, we did makeup and dress up sessions and I mean we did all those things and if you had you know said to to you know 12 year old wayne or 10 year old however old i was here's some pills that'll make you be a girl forever i'd be like oh my gosh so you sign me up uh, day one of being a girl um, you know that, that's 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 what we're doing to kids right now they don't understand it and we're told we're telling them that they're not good enough or great enough just the way they are right. that yeah. the way god made them is not special mm-hmm. and it'll be more special it'll be special er mm-hmm. if you can get a pill or you can go see a surgeon and that's wrong that's horrifying and it's being done Largely through the government education system, yeah. and so we, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's really terrifying.
0: It's concerning. Um, even the the most recent numbers, which I would say are probably even wrong now, had it at twenty two percent of kids identify as gay or transgender.
2: Right, and I I was talking to a teacher not long ago from Moscow who said that in his class um, of about twenty five kids, there were three that said that they're trans. Now. Simple math, because for, 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 for those of you who went to public education, that's that's a little more than 10%. And uh, that's a problem, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's... What grade was that? That was, it was a high school... Uh, high school? It, was, it was like a 10th or 11th grade. I don't remember the exact, but it was a high school class. But, I mean, there's a reason for that. Uh, the, one is, they're getting it through their school system. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you can be anything. L-B-G-T-Q-plus-I-W-apostrophe-J. And um two it's um it's i put my phone back in my pocket but it's the it's that stinking device that there's that there the algorithms for tiktok for example are so sophisticated that if you click on one of those videos you're going to see 10 more of those videos and then you're going to start doubting things about yourself Mm -hmm. if you want to see cooking videos you'll get tons of cooking videos Mm -hmm. if you want to see trans stuff you'll see lots of trans stuff but Contrary to popular belief, or at least the, the, what the left would have you believe, that this is not all about um, your, your identity and, and how you feel about yourself. Some of this is is very much uh, sexual. yeah. And that's the really uber scary part of this, is that basically what they've taken their sexuality out of the deep, Deep recesses of the closet and put it out on parade for all of us to see and they want us to support and endorse it and embrace it. And I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, and
1: when I was on my NAMPA curriculum meeting last night and they were talking about, well, we have to bring it up. Well, then it normalizes it. And then you have a teacher saying 10% of you or whatever deemed um, percentage they say then are going to be gay or whatever. So we have to embrace it. I think it just plants that little seed. Like I might be that part of that 10 percent and that maybe is and
2: and what would you know and you're you're young you don't know a Mm -hmm. a thing but here's the 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 more important fact of life um in humanity and in nature we need men and women we need males and females that's just that's that's reality reality. Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that something suffers Mm -hmm. thomas soul um said Something to the effect, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So let's suppose that they're right, that this is their solution. Their solution is everybody should know about LBGTQ, IA plus, comma, whatever letters that they add on that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the trade-off? What do you lose? Well, what you lose is your sense of humanity. What makes you special as a man, as a woman, as a boy, as a girl? It's very, very important. You have to have that. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that allows for a society to flourish.
0: And that's what they're trying to undermine. Yeah. I, I think that this is really uh, all steps towards transhumanism, mm-hmm. right? Once you once you start hearing that you can cut off body parts, you can do all these things, it's not a far step to say, well, you can live forever. We just upload your consciousness into this computer. it's It's a whole... Thing. And it's it's actually really concerning. But, you know, I'm sitting here yesterday. I was threatened online. I, I had a guy tell me that, um, who lives in Boise, that uh, he wanted to smash my face with bricks because I supported HB71, which I just I thought was just completely unhinged. You know, and it, it made me remind people, especially now that you see the you see a lot of the mentality of the left change they are very aggressive now. We just saw where there was that woman who competed against Leah Thomas and she tied. And they said, well, we only have one trophy, so we're going to have to give it to Leah for, you know, for publicity. She was just punched by a biological man who identified as a trans person in San Francisco at their university um, when she was t- uh, speaking. She was brought there as a speaker and this guy repeatedly punched her. And they were swarming her and like trying to attack her. You saw with Alex Stein, he was attacked in San Francisco. had Hot coffee thrown on him. Uh, New York, same thing. Um, you know, these people it just seems like violence is the answer is in their nature now. And there's no there's no differentiation. I I'll tell you right now, w- the trend I'm seeing, and this is why I'm like saying, especially women need to carry. There's no differentiation between oh, hitting a woman and hitting a man for these people. Because all you have to do is, I just have to say, I, I'm a woman, I identify as a woman, and I can kick your butt, and there's no consequences. Well, you know? but I, I want to go back just a little bit. And you're right, people
2: should definitely um, learn self-defense and, and carry and do all those things to protect themselves and their families. But I, we need to go back to, this is a larger problem. And this is what we keep talking about with regard to... Um, you know, the left's unending um, quest for gun control. And he probably saw in Tennessee this week, uh, there were um, uh, legislators who protested in the House chambers in the General Assembly in, in Tennessee and were expelled. And they, what were they protesting? They we got to do something because we had this shooting in Nashville. I think it was in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, it was a quote-unquote trans person who shot up this uh, uh, private Christian school. Mm-hmm and killed six people. Um, If you banned all the guns, that person would still have mental health problems, and they would do what they do in other countries. They find other ways to get guns. They resort to acid, uh, knives, and vehicles. Mm -hmm. So then you have to ask, okay, what's going on here? Why is this happening? What's wrong with these people? Because they do have mental health problems, and this mental health problem stems from a lot of things. It, it's They're eating bad stuff. When you eat bad stuff, it not only affects you physically, it affects your brain. Your stomach uh, is your second brain. It is. Yeah. And then you then you go to the doctor and they give you psychotropics. Those don't work, so you get work, you use spiral. You drive,
1: start. Medicines drive disease down deeper, and yep. then they come out. In they're other not ways. going away.
2: That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is you have a societal problem. You have... Mental health problems in spades, mm-hmm. if people are taking dumps on sidewalks and they're and you see these videos all the time where you see that you see um folks going into the McDonald's screaming and throwing things around they go to the convenience store and they're smashing counters and throwing uh, beverages and 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 potato chips everywhere. These are adults who have mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Why do they have mental health problems? It's because what we have done is we've devalued family and interpersonal relationships and we've devalued nutrition and we've substituted all that with the medical industrial complex. That is a deep rabbit hole. And when you go and you watch the legislature in action and politicians respond to this stuff, what do they do? We need to create a new program. We need to expand this. We need to expand that. We need to do all these other things to help these people who are suffering. That doesn't work. doesn't solve the problem. What solves the problem is actually... Hard. It's very hard. Get moms and dads back in the picture. Yep. Take care of your kids. Yep. Educate your kids. Raise your kids. Mm-hmm. Teach them right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Teach them about the value of their humanity.
1: Take them out of public schools. Fathers Take have them out
0: fathers of, have to be in in children's yeah. life. You know, uh, uh, in the United States, eighty percent of those incarcerated come from single mother households, and I'm not blaming moms. Look, oftentimes as men, we fail. Right. And it's our job to to stick around even when it's hard. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be married, although that is always better if you can make it work. But, you know, you have it on both sides where a lot of men are pushed out by these women. And then you have it also where a lot of men decide that they're not going to be men. And the outcome is is you have 80% of the population of U.S. prisons Coming from single mother households,
1: yeah, it's terrible, and we did that to ourselves because we paid them more to have we dad did, out of the and, home. And, and it's and
2: it's it's beyond
0: that. I take a look, even at this last legislative
2: session. And I mind mind you, this is this is something. It's 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 subtle, but it's insidious at the same time. He had a bill that says um, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, career exploration oh. programs in Idaho's classroom starting, I think, in seventh or eighth grade, whatever. Um, but when you think about that. That, that is a form of indoctrination that says that once you graduate from school, you must go and get a career. Why? why? And I say this to moms and dads. Maybe, maybe dads can stay home and, and raise kids. Uh, maybe moms can stay home and raise kids. But the point is that somebody is raising their own kids, not the school system, not some daycare. They're the ones who are doing that. It's super important. It's super important. And remember that again, up until recently, we didn't do that. Um, we valued motherhood. We valued fatherhood. We put a premium on it. But now, look at and here's another one from this last legislative session: a bill that passed. So, when it go back to the career exploration, the government has no business saying to you, "You should go into a career." Do you want to go into a career? Would that make you happy, or would it make you happy to raise some? healthy, thriving kids who are successful in their lives in their own merits, in their own way. Or um, this other bill that passed also de-emphasizing uh, parenthood, motherhood, fatherhood, bill that said, we're going to give you a bigger tax deduction for child care expenses. Well, first of all, that's that's legal theft, again, is to take money from people in order to subsidize your particular behaviors, but also... Why is the government and the businesses saying, yep, daycare, we're going to give you money for daycare. But the single mom who works to stay at home with her kids or or maybe the married couple with a mom who chooses to stay home with her kids, she doesn't get subsidized. Where's her check? I'm not saying she should get one. I'm just pointing out the disparity between those two policy decisions. We value one over the other. And what are the secondary effects of that? One of the secondary effects is we put a premium on getting parents out of the house so they can go work so they can pay taxes to the government, so they can fund the programs that cause them to not be at home with their kids in the first place.
1: Sick. We've never even hired a babysitter, so I don't even know. This is so foreign to me. We've always been with our children or our grandparents have taken... And,
2: you know, I can't blame... parents who are put in that position who go, okay, I'm a single mom. I've got to go work. I obviously have to do something with my son or daughter. So I've got to go do that. But what I'm saying is, is that as a society, we've undermined families and we've created these situations for them and it continues on. So mom's very busy working. She's a single mom. She sent her kid off to daycare so she can work really hard, so she can pay half her income to taxes to the government. She comes home from that hard day of work and she reaches in the freezer and pulls out something that really isn't good for you that gets digested into into not only her system, but also her kids because she's feeding their kids the same thing, basically. And they're not eating healthy, and so then they have mental health problems and physical problems. All this stems back to, it's that same common denominator and for those who are watching this and go that guy's a hammer and he thinks every problem's a nail i'm telling you most of the problems in society goes back to the government it's in the way we treat people it's in the way we tax people it's in the way we incentivize or de-incentivize certain behaviors
1: we have to think outside of the box i just we've been watching alone as a of- my husband and I and kids and I'm like it's always about problem solving I have seen Mm -hmm. single moms obviously go back home and live so that grandparents are there and whatever if you don't have that option I've seen single moms living together where they do opposite shifts so somebody's watching there is always a way there really is if you think creatively there's, there's ways.
2: There, there, there are, but people don't think creatively because, again, we've dumbed down the population through the government education system, so you don't think through all those things. You, you're very linear in your thinking because you go, okay, um, I'm having a problem with X, and you call your politician and you say, wouldn't it be great if I can get my kid in the school system sooner? Because I'm having trouble finding daycare, or the day, or the politicians are told, wouldn't it be great if we subsidized daycare? Another thing that happened this last legislative session, subsidized daycare, which we have been doing that anyway. Now we're doing it at a higher level, mm. but the point is, is all that costs money. It reminds me of. Um, when we had this discussion about midnight basketball in the 1990s, remember midnight basketball? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it was the 1990s, and the Clinton administration was trying to find some way to help kids who were uh, being crazy, you know, at night. And uh, their the streets, par- yeah. while their parents were away working they created a, it wasn't quite at midnight but it was a min, a midnight late. but essentially late late night uh-huh. basketball kids doing something besides mm-hmm. being out on the streets mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting because what that meant is that the parents have to work harder to pay the bills to pay the taxes to fund the program that they're actually at work for paying for <laughs> i mean it's this big mm-hmm. vicious circle and and again we're doing this to people and the the easy answer is to go to a politician and say, please pass this program so that I can be free of this burden. Mm-hmm. The harder thing is to look them in the eye as a politician and say, this is really on you. Mm-hmm. You're the parent. You chose to have kids. Your job is to educate them, raise them, clothe them, feed them.
0: Um, you, you have to do those things. Sorry. Yeah. I will say this. I think that the most important thing you can do in life, and, and my view has changed a lot over the years, I think the most important thing you can do is have lots of kids in the United States. I'm, I've am i been looking at the numbers. Yeah, you've done it. <laughs> I've been looking at the numbers in Japan. Yeah. Uh, they actually have it where they're going to have more adults in diapers than children in diapers here in the coming years. The United States is on the same trajectory. If you look at a lot of the data, even like in uh, Europe, right? Germany, they had the same issue. So their solution was, well, we need to bring in all these migrants mm-hmm to help take care of us because they have lots of kids, right? You get somebody from Africa, uh, one of the poor countries in Africa, they'll usually have a lot of kids. But the problem is, is when they get to, you know, Western countries where there's a lot of social programs, they actually stop They stop having kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really scary situation mm-hmm. that we're in as a country. So that's why I, I love that, like, people like Elon Musk are kind of waking up to this and he's having tons of kids and and it's actually funny wealthy people used to have less kids now wealthy people are hey we need to we need to have lots of kids yeah and
2: and and that's you know that's another huge problem and 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 it's also what you do with those kids Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you can have kids that there are plenty of people who have kids that are that are wards of the welfare state um, but you can have kids that are thriving, and successful. One of the ways we did that, and, and I always like to tell people, you know, look at look at Idaho. It's so special because you've got the history that's um, Lewis and Clark in the northern part, and the Oregon Trail in the southern part, and the people that came here are pioneers. They didn't come here because they said, you know, we're, we we know that if we if we bide our time by 2018, we'll get you know free health care. Right. They, they didn't. They came here they, and they had lots of kids because they needed to have somebody plow the field and milk the cows and mend the clothes and, and you know all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. you just did. And it was, there was no one else that was going to help you. You needed to have a, a large family around you to help you. And that was a very beautiful thing. But what have we done with kids since the 1930s?
1: Entertain them to death and put them away at schools. I don't
2: we, know. We, we've, we've said, you can't work. Mm-hmm. Largely, I mean, it's, True. there there are, there are some exceptions, and people will, will call me out, and they'll say, "But but my daughter mm-hmm. can go work at um at the uh, at, at uh, yeah they can they can go uh, bus tables at um, at Wendy's when they're sixteen. Well, well good I for think them. It's
1: Fifteen and
2: I still, isn't it? it? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, but because it's such a difficult thing, they can only do so much. So mm-hmm. You can basically bus table so long as there aren't sharp knives and you can't work in the kitchen because you've got dangerous equipment in the kitchen you know i i remember going to um uh, bangkok a few years ago um, back before the rona and um they you know there's 10 year olds sitting behind the counter fixing iphones and our kids are sitting at home on their iPhones breaking on their iPhones they're they're they're, their iPhones. they're they're you know watching Netflix they're playing video games TikTok, or or whatever yeah. and and that's really debilitating i was 10 year i don't know, how old were you when you started working
1: i was young because my grandma owned a christian bookstore and i started sweeping in early and at like 10 11 12 yeah. i was Selling golf balls back to the golfers on the golf course. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah, you told me
2: that story. Yep,
1: and lemonade with no yeah. sugar. Oops. That
2: is super important. I can't begin to tell you. And I did. I was climbing up and down ladders with thirty-pound jugs of freon when I was ten years old, working with my my uh, uh, dad. Uh, he started working when he was uh, ten in an, in an auto um, auto repair uh
0: shop in Brooklyn, new york and you know these are you you probably have the same stories yeah you know actually it made me kind of laugh because i lived in north carolina i was in third grade and my dad said you need you need something to do besides just play so he started having me mow all the neighbors lawns but we i was a military brat and some of these guys are anal retentive. i remember one of my neighbors whose lawns i'd mow he would come out there with a tape measure right,
1: Measure, and he would
0: lay his head flat <laughs> and he'd measure different parts of the yard. And then after that, you know, when I hit 12, 13, I was living on the Oregon coast. I lived with my mom and we were extremely poor. When I say extremely poor, I mean, she fell into the trap, but you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I had uh, a look at both sides, right? My mom was a welfare queen and I love you mom. I don't mean disrespect, But she was a welfare queen. Mm. And then my dad was a hardworking guy who made a career out of the military. Now he lives on a beautiful lake with a swimming pool in his backyard. And he's got tons Mm -hmm. of fun projects. So I got to see both ends of the spectrum. But we were so poor when I lived with my mom that, like, you know, one of the people I knew, she felt so bad for us. She hooked me up with this guy who sold manufactured homes. So I I would, and this is horrible, but this is how I got socks and pants and shirts and stuff like that um i would go skip school and i would go move model furniture out of in and out of homes and i would go dig ditches things like that Mm -hmm. and
2: these things shape who you are and i always hear and again i'm I'm a public policy
0: practitioner i've been well before we before we actually continue we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back okay this episode is brought to you by faith outdoors faith outdoors is more than a gun store It is an education hub spot. Whether you are a first-time gun buyer, an experienced shooter, or a long-range shooter, Faith Outdoors can help you find what you need to be as efficient as possible. Their staff is some of the most experienced in the Treasure Valley and is made up of retired law enforcement officers and firefighters. Faith Outdoors also is an official dealer of bench-made knives. Everything sold in store are items they recommend and use out in the field. So go visit them today. 2200 Cortland Place in Nampa, Idaho.
1: And you know what I love about Mandy and Nate? Their whole family, they're prayer warriors. So if you need prayer, they are happy to pray for you. Just email them at info at faithoutdoorsid.com.
0: Listen, when it comes to buying or selling a house, this is an important decision. And that's why it's important that you have somebody by your side that you can trust. Somebody who will be honest with you and tell you, hey, even if it doesn't benefit them, they'll say, hey, right now it's not the time to buy. Or hey, right now it's not the time to sell. You want somebody who will advocate for you and being your corner. That's why here at What's Happening Idaho, we recommend one realtor and and that is Dominic Brandon with REMAX. Dominic has been a phenomenal supporter of conservative ideology. He's been in the fight. And really, he's he's dedicated a lot of his time and efforts into helping us.
1: Absolutely. He was out on the road putting out signs and doing everything <laughs> from running for PC to, yeah, he's definitely in our corner for Liberty.
0: Dominic, again, is just a phenomenal guy. He walks the walk. He is PC, as you said. He open carries a Remax gun when he shows houses, the which is one. great. Yep. <laughs> and he also specializes in bringing people from California to Idaho. He is licensed in both states. And most of his work that he does is referral-based.
2: No, I love I love Idaho and I've been selling real estate for 13 years and licensed in a couple states and got real Really involved with the conservative movement with a bunch of patriots here, and you guys included being really important ones in that. But just love the cause, love what you guys are doing, and I'm so grateful I can help you guys get this message out farther to the people of Idaho.
0: We so, appreciate it, yeah. and we want to support you as well. Dominic, if people want to reach you about buying or selling their home, how can they best contact
2: you? Best way is to shoot me a text or give me a call at 208-559-5007. And you can hit my personal website also: it's www.idahomove.com. Altogether, IdahoMove.com uh, Idaho to hit me on the web.
0: All right, we're back. Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt that uh, <laughs> thought, but we've got one camera that, uh, you know, we've got to hit the record button. Yeah, so, no, technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, hey, look, here's one other thing I really wanted to hit on in this conversation, and I've been enjoying it a lot because we're not talking about the same redundant things, and I've tried to avoid really too much about the Freedom Foundation because we had you on for an earlier episode, mm-hmm. what, a year ago? Mm-hmm yeah, a year ago where we really dived in. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have more questions on the Freedom Foundation, that's a great one to go back to. Mm -hmm. But look, here's the biggest criticism your organization gets. And I, I don't even think it's fair. I will say this. You guys are, you guys are labeled as out of state, dark money, you know, an evil organization, all these things, you know, and I think you're over target when the mainstream media is attacking you. But the big thing people say is when people score high with the freedom index, they're saying they're aligned with libertarians or these libertarian organizations. I'm at a point where I think the only solution is, is an actual Republican scorecard, which you get that with the American conservative Mm -hmm. union. But I think every bill should be measured with the platform. I think, and and I think what's going to happen, right, is I think people are going to see that they're pretty closely aligned as far as scores go.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, um,
0: uh, some of the county central committees or
2: Republican central committees have been doing their own vetting process. They they mm-hmm. They use our data, but they don't. Look at it exclusively, uh, but if you if you take the metrics of the freedom index, the education index, and the spending index, and compare those to what's in the Republican Party platform. It, they're pretty similar they're very similar in fact there are some nuances where there's actually the platform should probably be a bit stronger in my view mm. um, but but there are but there are elements that are very much in alignment it says government's not the solution to the problem government is the problem well we've got a metric for that it's um, uh, you know, does it does it grow a new new create a new program or does it take something away from the private sector um, does it re, does it it um, Create a new regulation. I mean, there's just all these different things that we ask questions about. Does it re- reduce property rights? Does it violate people's constitutionally protected rights? And on and on and on. They're very, very similar. So, I mean, um, we're a nonpartisan organization, so we can't, you know, say we picked up the the uh, Republican platform and created a scorecard out of it. Uh, what we what we've said is these are principles that are that that. Transmute.
1: It's universal. It, it, yeah, it, it goes. At, it,
2: it's exactly right. It's these are the things that make us human, make us free. And the question at the end of the day, after every legislative session, is: Are we more or less free than we were when we started? Um, when you pass this bill, will this make us more or less free? Mm-hmm. And it's not about libertarianism. It's looking at things through the lens of how bad government can be. I mean, for example. Um, Uh, the uh, career technical education program. There are a lot of legislators who are on our side who like that. And the reason they liked it is because they like the idea of kids, you know, particularly in rural areas having exposure to these career options in their future. But the problem is they imagine what would happen if they were the person running the program. But, With, when government is in charge of a program, bureaucracies start and, and... Red tape. Red tape and all these things that Kids make it... Kids don't
1: even actually have to do that. What right, and yeah. it
2: becomes... You have to you have to dumb things down because you don't want people to be held accountable and so then school unions get involved and then they're, they're making things worse. And so you look at that through the worst case scenario. I'll give you another example. This is not a libertarian idea. This is just a, a fact of how government operates because eventually it's going to come up. Well, I mentioned the cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. Um, the cell phone bill, people are going to say, you... You libertarians you're, you're you're a libertarian and you like pornography. No, it's not about that. It's because this program that you're putting in place has a secondary effect. It's going to make parents think that they're okay to give their phones to their kids, and they're going to stare at them all day, not aware that they've either evaded the the porn filter or that they've um that they've uh, been using some other app that allows them to see the same thing anyway. and oh, oh by the way, way yeah. by the way, every time government passes a law and tells a company to do something. Invariably, data gets collected, and that data gets collected and is handed over to the government. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It's and then it's um, uh, there's a bill this year dealing with uh, sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. and don't we want to stop sex traffickers? Of course we do. But the bill also says that if uh, the the pimp that you're after or the alleged pimp that you're after has any Tangential connections—they can also be charged with sex trafficking. So it could be your mother. They can go to your mother and they can say, "Listen, um, do do you know Dave? Yeah. Well, Dave is my son. Uh, Well, we think that he's a sex trafficker. And um, if you have any anything, if you gave him a meal." If you bought him a movie ticket, if you transported him from Napa to Boise, you're
1: aiding and abetting and
2: abetting and you're a sex trafficker too. And so we have to, of course, that bill passed unanimously, but we only look at what a bill does. Are you more or less free? Is there any way in the world that the government can use this thing against you in the future? Because I have a tip for you. They can, and they will, because we've seen it over and over again. And you may say, well, the end result is what we want. We want to get the sex traffickers. I do, too. Mm -hmm. But when you make it easier to lock up innocent, law-abiding citizens, eventually that is exactly what will happen. Another one is uh, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a bill this last legislative session to, um, uh, to create mandatory minimum sentences for fentanyl. Now, here's the problem in Idaho, as with other states. It's so hard to convict traffickers that if you possess a drug over a certain quantity, you're automatically a trafficker. Hmm. That's a problem. Do you want to get the fentanyl traffickers? Yes. Do you want to luck up the grandmother who happened to have too much of a product and not realize she was over some kind of a legal limit and was treating her own pain in some way? No, you don't. So you got to be careful about those things.
0: Uh, I disagree. <laughs> well, go ahead. And I'll tell you why. Go okay, ahead. You take a business card, if you cut it up to, into 100 pieces. You take, take what? If you take a business card, business standard card. business card, you yes. cut it up into 100 pieces, that one 100th of a piece, if you left it on my table and I just went like this, is enough to kill me. Yes, that's exactly right. But the but but the point is is that it's still a, it's
2: a substance out there that a person could have and end up becoming a felon who is locked up in prison for a, a set number of years without realizing that they were doing anything felonious. Intention still matters, and there is a way of being able to discern. So if I have, for example, I, I use a packet of sugar because you're right, a, a little tiny grain can kill you, um, a fentanyl. But let's take it at a sugar packet. The way the law works or the way the proposal that was in front of the legislature works is it doesn't matter if there's only one grain of sugar that's, that's fentanyl. If it, The entire packet, as far as we're concerned, is fentanyl under the law. And that means that a lot of innocent people can end up being roped in as a drug trafficker and go to prison for a very long time when they didn't realize that that's exactly what was happening. The laws matter. How you shape that law matters. There was another bill that Judy Boyle had that disaggregated that and said, yes, fentanyl is a very dangerous thing. But it should be the quantity and your intent that matters about whether you should be put to in prison for 15 years. That's the difference.
0: I, I've always been a big proponent of, I am against mandatory minimums. So on, on that point, I will agree with you. I also don't like that that bill loosened the reins as far as heroin went said, uh, Hey, we're, we're going to allow for more room with heroin, but you know, fentanyl is the bad one. But because it's the
2: bright, shiny object in the room. Now it's what gets uh, politicians all upset. Remember, um, it wasn't that long. Every policy, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. What's the trade-off? That's all we're saying it is your trade-off under the bill that, that, that gives a mandatory minimum for, for fentanyl, by definition means that you're going to have some people who weren't trafficking fentanyl. They merely had the uh, chemical patch that they maybe they got from the hospital or something that has the a, a, a quantity of fentanyl they need to mitigate pain. And because they had too much of that, they are now a trafficker. You've got to be careful. You've got to recognize that as a thing that you are doing. And the same thing is true for all these. Uh, whatever, whatever the penalty or whatever the, the charge might be is to recognize those. And the same thing is true. Um, there's always a bill dealing with um, domestic terrorism. Right. And how long is before some prosecutor takes a bill de- dealing with domestic terrorism and says, "You're a potential domestic terrorist because see here's the statute we wrote this a, a long time ago, but we're going to apply it to you now." Yeah. That's the thing. That those are the things. So, yeah, you, you're right. You, fentanyl's dangerous. Fentanyl's terrible. There's a right way and a wrong way to do the public policy. So you 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 lock up the fewest number of innocent people while still going after the bad guys. Mm-hmm very important concept
0: and it's public policy is hard yeah that's that's a super hard one because at the end of the day look i'll just tell you it's like i said i i will never be for mandatory minimums on principle i just won't i don't think it's right because there are situations look at the hammonds right they got charged with what domestic terrorism for lighting a backfire that spilled over whoops you know yeah. and and the judge was like this is unreasonable you know the Here's your fines, and you know your your three months in jail is good enough. And then the federal government decided to weaponize itself under mm. the Obama administration and go after this old retired rancher. You know, um, it's it's one of those things that for that reason I'll always be against mandatory minimums. But at the same time, fentanyl is a hard one. Got, got, but you
2: have to you have to you have to look at it through the lens of an overzealous prosecutor who uses a mandatory minimum to beat somebody about the head and shoulders yeah. and to use it as leverage to get something that they want yeah. because they will, they always do. There's, there's a law in the books so, that, We're going to have a discussion, I guess, about drugs because I didn't mean to do that, but here we are. Um, Because people will say to me, Wayne, uh, drugs destroyed California. You're from California. Uh Drugs didn't destroy California. California destroyed itself by removing productivity and creativity from the marketplace and then putting people on government assistance programs and then taking away everything else they had to be productive citizens. What else did they have left? They turned to drugs, hard drugs, dangerous drugs, alcohol. They did that because of what you did to society. The drugs are the symptom of the greater problem. But I'll give you another example of, again, this is a law we have in Idaho. It's, a, it's um, uh, the mandatory minimum for, for cannabis products. If you're suffering from stage four cancer, and I know people who are, yeah. um, who need a cannabis product, You're a drug trafficker when you've exceeded a certain weight limit. So if you go get um, 100 uh, uh, milligrams of THC in chocolate form from the dispensary in Ontario to give to your your, um, friend in uh, Twin Falls who's suffering from stage 4 cancer, you're a drug trafficker. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a serious problem because that's how we've treated, or if you're getting it for yourself, you're a drug trafficker. That's a serious problem. And or um, if, if, if we're sitting, all of us, the three of us sitting in this room and uh, Josh pulls out a bong and sets it on the table. Would never happen. <laughs> you and I are guilty of a crime. Do you know what that crime is? Frequenting. Hmm. We're in a place where we knew that there was drugs or drug paraphernalia. That's a call drug a crime called frequenting, and there have been innocent, gotcha. <laughs> right? Oops, there are innocent no kids yeah. who have been you know in apartments or concerts or restaurants or wherever they were, and somebody had a bong or somebody had um whatever other thing that you use for marijuana um and and suddenly they're charged with the crime and and the, what the, what happens is the prosecutor doesn't really want to go after that kid and charge them with frequenting. what they want to do is they want to find out whose bong that is. Mm-hmm. We're going to charge you with this crime. It's called frequenting. Whose bong is that? Oh, that that's Josh's bong. Okay, you're off the hook. We got him now. Mm-hmm. We might still charge you with something or other, but this is this is what happens a lot. So you've got to be careful about
0: the power that you give government because it's not always going to be used in the way you think it's going to be used. Right. Let me ask you this. Uh, you know, going back to people thinking the Freedom Foundation is a libertarian organization can you tell us here today that the Freedom Foundation will not be advocating for the legalization of marijuana, uh, whether it be medical or or if you, if it is something that you guys would consider, I mean, I think it's important that people know. Um, First of all, we don't do drug policy. What we do is we
2: evaluate legislation Mm -hmm. and that's why we do, you know, cell phone bills and, and um, I don't know, whatever else was, there's a lot there, you know, Thousands of different topics that come up over the course of the life of an organization, and we evaluate every one of those. But let's imagine that there's a bill that comes along to, um, and there have been, to legalize um, uh, cannabis products. Mm-hmm. What do they usually do with that? We've legalized it. Okay, that's a plus that's a plus one because a thing that was, was a crime before is not a crime. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to create a regulatory agency around it. That's a minus. Mm-hmm. We're going to tax it. That's another minus. And then we're going to make people register who use it. That's another minus. We've seen this in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I have yet to see, except for a decriminalization statute, which I'll get behind, um, a legalization framework that I'd support for those reasons. Yeah. Because what they do is they create, they, they, they make it into a government program, and they incentivize its use because then they want people, they want to capture the tax revenue that's a problem. But decriminalization, like I said, there is there are cannabis products that stop cancer. Right. There are cannabis products that stop seizures. There are cannabis products, there are psil- psilocybin products that deal with uh, depression and anxiety better than your your freaking um uh um Xanax or uh Wellbutrin or Whatever other drugs you're going to take for anxiety and depression, way better. And we do, that's that's decriminalization. That's a totally different thing.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of military guys that I know who mm-hmm. suffer from PTSD, PTSD. Mm-hmm. and they go through. It's not like they're they're not going and just taking shrooms to get high, but they're doing what's called microdosing with accompanied with uh, therapy. And they've, they did the same thing, you know, back in the 70s with LSD where they were trying it. And, and I think that there was a little bit of um, bad intention with the government doing that, um, MK Ultra, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But now people are looking and saying, is there a legitimate use for a microdosing to help people with the counseling? And, and they're finding that there might actually be. I'm okay with, like, experimental things like that. And people, same thing with even marijuana people use uh, marijuana in micro doses you know for pain, mood enhancers uh, pain, pain things different things like that mm-hmm. but you're right i have friends who have cancer who who mm-hmm. take medical marijuana uh i will never have a problem with it my one of somebody i care about i'm gonna leave it at that mm-hmm. somebody i care about in the state uh smokes marijuana all the time like there's no tomorrow for recreation right and to me i've i've always kind of been of not always. I think as I get older, I get a little bit more cranky about things. I'm of the disposition that I don't mind that stuff. I just, I do prefer, I like how Idaho is. I like certain things being done in the dark, right? The one thing I don't want is I don't want to see dispensaries pop up on every street corner.
2: Well, that's just it. And, and if you have dispensaries on every street corner, why is that happening?
0: Because you've created a
2: regulatory framework for that to happen. That, that's it. I mean, I actually think that what you have in Idaho is great. Right now, if you live in Boise or Nampa or Caldwell, you drive to Ontario. If you live in uh, Moscow, you drive to Pullman. If you live in uh, um, uh, Coeur d'Alene, you drive to Spokane. Um, If you lived in Rathdrum, you drive to uh, Otis Orchard. Um, I know where all these places are for a reason because I actually believe in that. There are people out there who have problems and they've been told that the only answer to their problems is a pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. And the pharmaceutical screws up their bodies.
0: Pharmaceutical industrial complex. It is
2: a, it is a medical industrial complex. Listen, I'll tell you more. Um, I've been to um, uh, plant medicine ceremonies uh, where people with severe PTSD and depression, people who have lost loved ones, children, parents, so... Uh, grandkids, the people who thought there was nothing they could do, that that there was that there was no hope, and they've tried everything, connects them to God. What an amazing thing that is! Connects them back to their families, and their friends. Yeah, saves people. I met a guy who uh, was going to an ayahuasca uh, ceremony. And he tells the story all the time. He's a good, good, good man. Uh, former military, suffering severe PTSD. Married with kids. Um, loaded up his. It's his story to tell, but he's told it so many times. He tells it way better than I do. Uh, loaded up his motorcycle with his, um, with uh, so, loaded up his his motorcycle. Brought his nine mm with him. Um, said goodbye to his wife and kids, and never planned to see them again. And he was on his way to kill himself on the beach in Florida. Stopped at an ayahuasca retreat center in Orlando. And is still alive to this day and helping people with severe depression. It's
1: amazing.
2: Yeah. Why does yeah. government say that you can't have access to those things, but you can have access to depression medicines that don't actually help Opioids, you? Opioids, Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And actually may actually hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this over and over and over again. Now, again, I'm not saying... Let's have an ayahuasca dispensary on every corner because that's making a plant medicine and turning it really banal. It's difficult. It's terrible. But giving people access to other things besides a pharmaceutical? Ask ask an oncologist whether their cancer regimen is actually going to save their patients' lives. Yeah. But Rick Simpson oil, which is derived out of cannabis, there's research to show it actually Stops the
0: progression of cancer. Hmm. How about that?
1: Frankincense eats cancer cells. Frankincense essential oil. You
0: know, the only thing that I would say I'm completely against. This is more than anything a joke. I saw uh, I saw a documentary one time. I think it was on Vice News. Of course. Right. And it was like where these people were going for, on an ayahuasca trip, and they were like, oh, we have to go see the chief. And it's like this bald headed white guy with tattoos all over his neck. He's like, just got out of prison. He's like, yeah, I leave people on these. I'm, you know, I'm like 118th Cherokee. I'm just like, oh, man, don't call uh, no, yourself a chief. Just say, hey, I'm a dude who gives you. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, I, I, ayahuasca is a very, very special plant medicine, and it has to be treated in a very special, sacred way. And the people who know how to do that, there's not some. I hate to say it, white dude from <laughs> from California who went on a retreat somewhere one time and knows what he's doing. Um, but uh, there there are there there's a lot of stuff out there. There's uh, uh, ayahuasca, wachuma, uh, peyote, uh, rapé, which is a tobacco. Uh, there's a lot of a uh, 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 bufo, bufo, which is a um, which is a, a toad, and uh, is, is inhaled. And I've seen people go through including me, 20 years of therapy in 20 minutes. It's incredible.
0: Hmm.
1: What's, from a toad.
2: Yeah, the from, toad.
0: From a toad. is that That's the one that's in uh, Arizona, the deserts in Arizona. Yeah, right?
2: it's in uh, southwestern U.S. and Mexico.
0: Yeah, I have, um, so my cousin Daniel that you met, he worked with this guy. And and this is why I would say this isn't for everybody. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to say with it. But this guy, he he did toad and he did it all the time. And he was convinced he went through like this high you know, this enlightenment where he realized that urine was life. So he would bathe in urine, he would drink his own urine, he would Yeah. So not for Well the, the the
2: the philosopher's stone is supposed to be, I guess, uh, comprised out of urine that's uh, that's been, I guess metastasized or fermented over time I haven't oh, tried it myself mm. but, uh, but 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 I, I wouldn't recommend um, uh, smoking uh, uh, bufo venom all the time I'd recommend people use it if they've got some uh, things that they're trying to sort through mm-hmm. um, I, I I'd recommend if somebody said to me I I've got um, PTSD what should I do should I go to my doctor and get a pharmaceutical or uh Smoke um, uh, bufo. Um, I'd recommend the latter in a, a hundred times over every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Amazing creature. It's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. It's a gift from God. All this stuff is. Yeah, all these. Plans. Uh, but these pharmaceutical stuff is not. Yeah. And it's the stuff that, and it, the reason it pisses me off more than anything, though, is that latter stuff, that the government. Facilitates us paying for that doesn't do anything except keep them trapped in this loop of despair and depression,
0: and that's wrong. Well, it kind of goes back to you know what's the incentive for people curing cancer? Uh, People, you know, the pharmaceutical industry—they cure cancer, they stop making money off you. But if they give you treatment,
2: well, I mean, look at look at. That's why I don't like to. My uh, I have a. A cousin who texted me and said, "Wayne, would you donate uh, ten dollars to the American Cancer Society nope. so that we can get we can get somebody from every state to support this kid who is doing some kind of a thing?" And I really, I I struggled with that. I was like, "Gosh, I want to help my family, but I don't want to encourage the American Cancer Society." Mm-hmm. Or the Suman G. Coleman oh, Cancers yep. group or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not interested in curing this stuff because if they did, they'd tell you stop eating seed oil. Mm-hmm. Um, stop stop drinking uh um, sugar Beverages, with sugar is a a, a great uh, way to grow cancer. Do
1: you remember when in their perfume the Susan G. Komen had a cancer-causing ingredient in the perfume? Yeah, saying, exactly. I mean, I mean there's stuff.
2: so much stuff in in diet nutrition. The body is an amazing vessel. It's a gift from God, mm-hmm. you know. And if you put the right stuff in it, it'll treat you well. Now, of course, there're always there're always exceptions to that, but by and large, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Um, your body responds to how well you treat it because it's, it's the way our body was. It's the reason why you didn't have to worry about wearing a mask during the COVID mm-hmm. stuff. Your body is designed to take in and to excrete viruses. Mm-hmm. You have to interact with it. When people stopped being around each other, it, it, eventually people were going to have to start you know, hugging each other again and stop wearing masks and breathing in the same space and all and that boom, kind of stuff. And, and get, China, they did it. They just did it later. You know, so this is the the miracle of our bodies and the miracle of all the plants and animals around us that we partake in and And the government has put us in this place where we've been led to believe that the answer comes in the form of a pill right, yeah,
1: we gave that up years ago, I was saying we yeah. haven't done a Tylenol or any kind of medicine in that, our family that's in the thing years. is we
2: we are in we are now in a place where it's up to us. Very powerful beings to solve these problems that are all around us and it 's it 's
0: take everything you guys say as the gospel like they do any organism. good right? yes, we and like that i don 't think that 's healthy
2: no that that 's very very healthy it, it 's it's, it, it's unhealthy <laughs> it 's unhealthy it's when it 's somebody else too. no i mean look I, I actually don 't think that 's what 's happening if, if you look at the freedom
0: index this year and most years. Um, there's no hundred percent vote. No, I don't. I don't mean the the actual people in the legislature. Oh, you? I'm talking about like people like like me, right? For me, I I appreciate the work that you guys do as an organization, but I will I, I won't go as far as saying I'm a fan, right? Which is really weird. And and let me explain. Yes, when I say so go ahead <laughs> and explain now that I when go. I when I say <laughs> I'm not a fan. What I mean is, is that I almost have to say that I, I have to say, I I like everything the way you guys score bills. I like your twelve principles. I like what you guys are advocating for. I like all these things. But what I get frustrated by is not anything you guys do. I get frustrated that by every, essentially, like we made one of our first shirts said "Iff paid troll. and all I got was a slousy shirt. Right? That was one of our our first products we put on our on our store because. Everybody says, oh, you guys are just bought and paid for by IFF. And I haven't seen a single penny for our no. studio, which is really disappointing. <laughs> so what I do is, like, I, I remove myself from, I try to remove myself from, like, any affiliation with organizations anymore except for the Republican Party. Again, it's not a reflection on you guys. It's just, you know, when this comes out, right, it does it's like I told it. you. Somebody's going to clip that and they're going to they're gonna leave out the part where you completely said, hey, I don't want dispensaries here in Idaho, right? And that it would get a negative score. Well, you didn't necessarily say I don't want, but you said it would get a negative score. And they're going to just grab the part where you're like, this is great. It's healing, you know, sort of things like that. And they're going to say, oh, look, you know, Christians, Josh Gibbons and Kirsten Lucas are over here advocating for the use of X, Y, and Z. And they do it. They, yeah, no, I, they I, do it because they want to diminish yeah, the conversation, and it frustrates but me. But this is why I've got to be authentic with, with the people that I talk
2: to about the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is we have addicted people to pharmaceuticals, and we've made them believe that their doctor and handing them a pill is going to solve their problem. And and, and really, if you look at the history of cannabis, um, there, are, there are three things that ought to make conservatives angry. One is racism because... You know, it was the, it was essentially the Mexicans were smoking marijuana, and, and it was an easy way to go after them to go after their marijuana. Um, two is the government needed something to do after after Prohibition, so they came up with something new, and this was this was one of the things. Third is cronyism, because cannabis and hemp products threatened to take away business from the paper industry, as you can use the 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 stock mm-hmm. of the plant for as a substitute for paper, um, obviously a, a, a competitor to alcohol um, and a variety of things like that. So there's a lot of cronyism that went into those three things alone should make conservatives go, what the heck? We, we, we've done this thing, and, and it's terrible. Now, can people abuse it? Of course they can, and they are today. I don't like the dispensaries the way those are set up. I've been to plenty of dispensaries, and I've bought plenty of... Uh, cannabis for my own personal use. I, you know, deal with for, for headaches. I, I do a lot of running and so, you know, joint pain and, and things like that. I don't use it to go and, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people who gets high on the weekend or, or, or gets drunk on, I don't, I don't really drink hardly anything. Um, but I've used it as a medicinal product, but it's banal the way it's being used in dispensaries. But the point is to say that it has actually helped people When you can go to a place in Ontario and buy Rick Simpson oil and use that for a person who's dying of stage 4 cancer because chemo and radiation is not going to save this person's life, that's meaningful to somebody. When a person has um, essentially um, uh, Parkinson's in in your lower legs, which is um, uh, restless leg syndrome, or Parkinson's, and you can use that, and that helps mitigate some of the problems. And you're telling that person they're a criminal if you use it, that's a problem. When you have somebody who has PTSD and you say, go to an ayahuasca ceremony, but don't do it unless it's at a place out of the country or in a place that's a 501c3 church, because otherwise the DEA is going to get you, that's a problem. That's wrong. You're telling these people that they can't get the help they need from products that God gave us because it's illegal because somebody sometime in the past said that it was. And I get that. Public policy is hard and complicated, but I'm telling you that the way we handle drugs, the way we handle public education, the way we handle um, the entire healthcare industrial complex, all this
0: stuff is twisted and backwards and hurting people big time unnecessarily. Yeah. I appreciate you being authentic about it. Because, you know, look, it is one of those conversations where people are going to speculate, right? Yeah. And, and I think for many years people have. And I appreciate the fact that I, you know, I told you my opinion. I'm, I'm against yeah. mandatory minimums for anything. Yeah. At the same time, you know, like I said, I have a, a loved one in this state that, you know, smokes marijuana. And I I do like the idea of it being done in the dark. Because I don't want, I hated living in Oregon And just having all these smelly, dirty hippies. Yeah. And they're smoking pot. And if you go to Portland, where my mother lives, I can't even, I couldn't even, for years, take my kids downtown. Last time I did, I walked by, this guy's crouching down, smoking heroin, blowing it right towards me and my kids. I have to grab my little kid. Move them off the sidewalk away. I don't want a disgusting, dirty place. So I love how Idaho is set up, and it is one of those things that, you know, what you do in the dark is is your business as long as it's not hurting anybody else. I,
2: th- I think that would be a, an amazing policy. It should be the policy right now. It's a shame that there are people who are actually driving across the state border to get medicine that can help them with things. And again... There is the other extension of that where you have people that are abusing that. But guess what? They're also abusing prescription drugs that are perfectly legal. And they're abusing yeah. alcohol that's perfectly legal and bought by the state of Idaho at state liquor stores. Yeah.
0: That's a problem too. People didn't realize, and I still don't think they do, right? People don't realize the harm that painkillers actually cause. Oh, yeah. Um, I won't take them. And I'll just I'll be perfectly honest. Since we're having an honest conversation, mm-hmm. I won't take them because I had surgery, and man, it snuck up on me. Percocet, I did yeah, that. I, I did, was, What did you have? Oh, Percocets. Was it Percocet? Yeah. And I,
2: I, I mean, terrible. Like, I, I knew I had one, and I, I had I broke my arm, and I said,
0: uh, nope, never doing that again. Even after well, a
1: baby, I don't take Tylenol.
0: No, <laughs> here's the thing, like I, I, I'll just take ibuprofen or Tylenol, things like that, because when I had my back surgery. And I was in a lot of pain. I actually had back surgery for my leg, as weird as that sounds. Um, but it was so bad that I was expl- taking... You have to expl- explain that because I don't think I don't understand how that...
3: It nerves running down Oh, your the legs nerves. I like got gotcha. you. Okay, got gotcha. you. So
0: um, I actually, th- I, I was given a choice of like, hey, we can fix your back right now or we can fix your leg. Either way, it's going to be your back that we have to get to because I have abnormally large bones, and I don't mean that in an Eric Cartman way. They actually had to cut away bone. <laughs> <laughs> um. they actually had to cut away bone cause it was pinching my nerves that were running down mm. to my leg. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, I, I was taking like the Percocets because I had like, I was walking with a walker for a while, you, yeah, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And, and next thing you know, I, I realized I was like, it's been like six months and I'm still taking these and yep. I don't need, so I had to, I had to like literally tell my doctor, I said, Hey, uh, I, (laughs) I have not needed these for a while. I'm realizing, uh, don't write me another prescription. I'm not coming back in to see you. I'll go see my regular doctor. And I stopped taking them because it was like, even for somebody who I, I have what I perceive as good moral beliefs, things like that. Even through all that, it was really easy for, for me to get caught up in it. And I've seen family members. I, I,
2: I have a friend who was in an accident, bad accident, and he had um, and he had a coat pocket. And he showed me, and he's, in his coat pocket, he had um, uh, some opioids. And he said, every day is a struggle because he was in this terrible accident. He has all this pain. And he's trying to decide, do I mitigate the pain? And do I get that much closer to becoming addicted? Or do I do without, and then I'm a terrible dad because I can't spend time and, and focus on my kids. And I said, listen, I'm not I'm not a drug dealer, and I'm not a drug pusher. I'm somewhere in between. I'm just going to say to you, here's some, some cannabis chocolates. Take these before you go to bed. After your kids are, are in bed and all that kind of thing, take these, go to sleep with them and see if that doesn't help. And I forgot about it, quite frankly. And a few months later, I, I said, "Hey, what, what did you do with those? Did you did you use those?" And he said, "Yeah, actually, I have a friend from California who's been sending me now uh, various edibles to use to help mitigate the pain. I'm completely off of the opioids. That's great." I thought, um, "My mother. My mother's eighty. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. She's eighty-two, I think. She turned uh, eighty-two. She turns eighty-two this year, and um, has MS." And, you know, now that she lives in Arkansas, now they have medical marijuana. Again, I don't like the system that they have in place, but I appreciate the fact that she can go and use something besides opioids to allow her to still be active on my parents' 100-acre farm. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal to them, and they wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. And, And the drugs that they would take, that she would take in substitute for that, um, the degenerative aspects of some of these um, uh, MS drugs in particular supposed to help with the pain, supposed to help with some of the symptoms, uh, have terrible degenerative impacts on the body. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the, the secondary effects that we talk about. Uh, the women who are watching this are going to kill me. You'll kill me, but here's a reality. When you give birth using pain medicines... Um, epidurals and and then to start the contractions of the protestin um those have an impact on the baby, mm-hmm. and those impacts have not actually been thoroughly studied beyond delivery. What does that do to the mental health of a child We don't know right but yep. when when half the babies in the country are born on Medicaid and it doesn't cost you anything, and you may as well because you're gonna be much more comfortable, something's happening there.
1: I never wanted the pitocin or the epidural. I I don't like needles and anyway, but they make you take a pitocin shot in your leg afterwards. I'm like, what the heck? I did this whole thing natural, and you're going to now stick me? Uh, oh, because your uterus won't go down without it. Really, God had no plan for that. That's so ironic that, yeah. Your body
2: is designed for this, and we really don't understand the effects of that. We do know there is data that shows, or there are data, I should say, there are data showing that a baby born with medicines circulating, epidural circulating through the baby, they're not as, they get lower scores on mm-hmm. the postnatal uh, scoring system mm-hmm. than kids born without it. Yep. And that, that has to mean something. Mm-hmm. That that's not a that's not nothing. No, <laughs> so, my babies are alert. I'm, They're lifting their head yeah, off my chest. They're yeah, so I, engaged. I'm with just it. saying mm-hmm. that th- this is these are things that we need to talk about. And it's that freaking medical industrial complex who's gotten us where we are. And you talked about fentanyl earlier. Um, there's still a lot of fentanyl being prescribed through the Medicaid system. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, <laughs> sometimes you have to wonder who the hero and who the villain is in this story. It's yeah. usually not who you think. Sometimes that's mm-hmm. that's
0: part of the problem too. A lot of people who get hooked on heroin or get hooked on you know fentanyl things like that, it, it is as easy as like how I caught myself, and I'm like, oh, I'm yep. using these recreationally, and you have to stop and think about it consciously. And and I I think the only reason I I recognized it uh, was the fact that, you know, um, my dad's wife, she, she got into a horrible car accident and she had to get put on them. And she took, she was on a lot more than she definitely needed. Right. And so I kind of saw some of the signs and I realized, man, if it's this easy for me, you know, who's, who's not pro drug per se, you know, and then, you know, People, doctors and, cut you off, and the next thing you know, it's, well, I need something, and friend says, hey, try this black tar heroin. <laughs> well, and, and you, you mentioned heroin before, and the mandatory minimums for heroin, and
2: there was a provision in one of the bills that reduced the mandatory minimum. Here's why. There have been people in Idaho who have gotten addicted to heroin, but they were on heroin. They had heroin in the possession for their own personal use, but they were convicted of trafficking and then sentenced to, I think it was 15 years, and ma- mandatory minimum in the, in the prison system. Those people need help. They need something else entirely. Instead, they're going... So, I mean, yeah. the point is, is that public policy is complicated. And when you pass a law, there are secondary effects of those that are going to wrap up innocent people in that web. Yeah. And the right thing to do is to empower people yeah. and to give them the tools that they need to be successful and powerful themselves but we've taken that away from them through a variety of different means through government i've always gotten mm-hmm.
0: concerned about i we need we do need prison reform when it comes to drugs i've always i've i've always thought that because what happens is is if you take a heroin addict or somebody addicted to something else that's as powerful as of substance and you say, we're going to throw you in jail. Okay, now we're throwing you in prison. Yeah. You don't actually treat the root cause, because at the root cause, there's there's an addiction that needs to be treated, and just taking somebody off of it, we see it. You know That's why people oftentimes are repeat offenders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't actually addressed the issues, and next thing you know, they get home, they're like, yeah, life is great. Mm-hmm. I've been clean and sober for these three years that I've been forced to be clean and sober, and then they're like, oh, well, I'll go see a friend, and they're, they're, they, haven't they're, they're, they, haven't been, they haven't been given the toolbox yep. to, to s- say no or to remove themselves. That's exactly from right,
2: and in many respects, they've been institutionalized in a way that they've picked up habits that aren't good for them. And I used to cover the prison system when I was a reporter, so I've, I saw that in spades play out. As somebody would go and they'd, they'd go out on on uh, on parole or they'd finish their sentence and they end up back in the system again because whatever they started with was never really addressed. So we we've done all this, but then we got the war on drugs, and you you know throw away, the, you lock them up and throw away the key. It's a real problem. I mean, it wasn't just us that had a problem with that fentanyl bill. <clears throat> the American Conservative Union didn't like it either. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of conservatives were 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 very concerned about it. Uh, Dennis Mansfield had an article. De- Dennis is a friend of mine from way 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 back who ran the Idaho Family Forum. His son died of a drug overdose. And he said the right way to do this is to get rid of those mandatory minimums and to start treating the, 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 the drugs for what they are, possession, not trafficking. It, now, you will have traffickers, by the way. You need to go after the traffickers. Traffickers right. are bad people. If you're, if you're out trafficking drugs, and especially if you're giving drugs to, to young kids, then there's something wrong with you and you probably should go to prison for that. But the people who are self-medicating... There's another issue there. And a lot of that self-medication is the result of it's not just physical pain, it's also mental pain. Things that took place in yeah. their childhood or things that they were abused or, or they were neglected or a variety of different things. And why does that happen? Because the government has put so many constraints on the family unit that has made it easier for people
0: to gravitate towards behaviors and
2: The products that are bad for them.
0: You know what I always thought would be great was when it comes to drug charges, right? Let's say that I got caught and I had, I was a heroin addict or whatever. I keep using that because that's just one of the bad ones, right? I always thought, man, wouldn't it be great if judges instead of having mandatory minimums, instead of the prosecutors looking for that win, right? Oh, I need my 85% conviction rate. Wouldn't it be great if the judges said, okay, you're looking at three years in prison. Here's what we can do. You're going to pay for it yourself. It's not going to, you're not going to be a burden on taxpayers, which is already a better spot mm-hmm. to be in than sticking them in prison where they're a burdened on taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into in treatment for six months and then you do out treatment for uh, a year, right? So you have a commitment of a year and a half that you're paying for these things. You're restoring yourself back to society and it's not costing anybody anything, and if you do that then we will completely drop this it won't even be on your record
2: yeah i mean i don't know i mean if you if it's simple possession I mean, there's a lot of, there's that that's a world difference between that and i went and wrecked my car and killed a family of four that was driving on the other side of right. the road i mean that, that that obviously there's a lot of nuance in between those things the point though is that you need to be more thoughtful about it and what you don't get is nuance and thoughtfulness in the in the lawmaking world you get You get overtures made to different interest groups that that take uh, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Mm -hmm. Um, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers has been on a crusade forever to lower as much as possible the legal drinking age, uh, legal drinking, um, and and to raise the drinking age, by the way. Mm. And again, what are the secondary effects of those? So in Utah, they lowered it. I haven't looked at the data. I'm sure they've ended up with more people you know, surprise convictions of DUIs because they didn't realize that they were over the new drinking drinking limit. But then the other thing is what we've done is we've substituted the government's judgment for the judgment of parents. And instead of saying, uh, Johnny, you shouldn't drink. Well, why shouldn't I drink, dad? Well, it's because it's illegal. No, the right answer is you shouldn't drink because you're young and your brain is still developing and it's bad for you. Um however, if you look at other countries where they don't have a legal drinking age or it's lower, the parents are much more sophisticated about how they talk to their kids about alcohol. Yeah, know, well, you have a little glass of wine with us, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You have a little sip or something. Um, your glass is going to be a lot smaller, or you know, we're going to we're going to demystify it for you. Whereas in the U.S., what we do is we say, "Can't drink until you're 21." So you have kids that are sneaking around to get it because it's a novelty, it's a sting, it's illegal, it's illicit. We, you
1: can get you know, married, you can go to the military, but a, you can't have your yeah.
2: It's it, it's it's a strange. Mm-hmm thing that we're we're in, instead of talking about the perils, we we say, oh, you know, the legal don't do that, so they have to sneak around, they're drinking behind their parents' backs, and they get off to college where, you know, you can go get, you know, go on a bender. Mm -hmm. And so we've incentivized bad behavior when we think that we're actually helping people and stopping them from this bad stuff. Parents, families, communities, neighbors, those are the answers to the problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: We told ours, yeah. Just, I mean, biblically, it's don't be drunk. Like you're not supposed right. to get inebri- right. inebriated. Right. So I don't know. Ours have been very overly responsible about that. I like I,
2: I told, I uh, showed my kids early. I mm-hmm. I introduced them to uh, wine.
1: Yep,
2: I think it's gross. And and I think it's gross. and I go it. Yes. I introduced them to uh, not cigarettes but um, uh, cigars. Mm-hmm. Cigars, gross. Are gross. They don't like it. <laughs> When you're uh, a kid? I'm going, yeah. Oh. When you're a kid. When you're a kid. And so, I go,
1: you know what? Your taste buds aren't developed yet. Of course you hate wine. If you're supposed my, to hate my wine. My son's
2: 22 years old, and he's, he's, he, he says uh, he's, he, hasn't, he hasn't had, he doesn't drink. Doesn't mm-hmm. smoke, doesn't take drugs, doesn't do any yep. of this stuff because we demystified it yep. for
1: him. Ours too. And I would say, people are like, "Are you trying to pawn off?" I'm like, "No, just have a little sip." And then they go, "Ew, I don't even understand what you're doing." And then um, our son said, at 21, he finally had alcohol, and he had told his uh, baseball buddies, "Like, don't even ask me. And I'm when I'm 21, I'll sit." And he goes, "I had um, Patron, the most expensive tequila," and he said, "If that's the good stuff, I never want to try the <laughs> bad stuff. It's gross. It's." Yep. Tequila. Didn't work for me. They when work I was for you. when
0: I was in third grade. You're as special. a matter of fact, I'm gonna hit up uh, Senator Lenny and see if he wants to go for a cigar this afternoon. I actually <laughs> like
1: cigars now, but that's yeah. different. I will that's...
0: have about one a year. Yeah. Well, we have a great shop here if you wanna go. You're no, more than welcome oh. to go. Oh. Um, no, as a matter of fact, what's funny is is when I was in third grade, my friend had a pack of cigarettes, right? And I I like, I knew where he hit him was in like this abandoned house. We lived in North Carolina. This abandoned house's mailbox. I found them and they were soaked and there was the lighter there with them. So I was like, oh, I'll dry them out. I wasn't even smoking. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I'll dry them out. This will be interesting. So I took them home. I put them on a pan.
3: <laughs> <We laid laughs> I like this all out, yeah. cookie
0: sheet. And I just started like taking the lighter and lighting over. Uh oh! And then the small cigarettes hit the house. And then I oh. was accused of smoking. My dad was out of the country. So he had his friend come over. His friend brought this big cigar. You had to smoke that Made cigar. me smoke <laughs> and in hell. No. Oh, no. And then no. when I said I couldn't do it anymore, I was crying. <laughs> Keep in mind, times have changed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay. He cut the end off, and he said, then you're going to eat it. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Uh, made, made me Oof. eat the cigar. Wow. Gross. And... Um, now we're going to be that to, today. Now you've <laughs>
1: never tried to like air out or dry cigarettes again. No, I actually,
0: I actually smoked after that. I started smoking cigarettes. I used
1: to be able to get the cigarettes out of the vending machines that were at the restaurant. on Sunday afternoons after church, you'd the go by the machines,
0: They used to have vends, vending
2: the cigarette machines, vending machines. I remember those, yeah. $1.50. Wow. Bink,
1: bink, 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 bink. Mm. And no one knew. And then I'm like, this is stupid. I don't know. It, yeah. it yeah. was just... I do think, like... Try it young, and then just get over but it. Well, if Stupid. you
2: have good parents involved to watch over that sort of thing, mm-hmm. again, it demystifies it, and it's better—so much
0: better than saying, oh, "You can't do that because it's illegal." Right? It goes I'm back. Old, it right? goes. No, it does go back to the preacher's daughter. Everybody knows about mm-hmm. the preacher's daughter. She's always he the wildest kiss. one when she gets older. But it also goes to—I remember when I was fifteen years old. There was this girl. She was fourteen, very respectful young lady, she was from, her family was from California, Mm -hmm. uh, lived in Oregon, but the thing was, is like, she'd be like, oh, I just gotta, you know, I want to go see my parents before we go out and party, I'm like thinking, you want to go see your parents, and she'd go over there, and we'd all be over there, a bunch of us, they didn't know, and they'd look, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, just make sure you're safe, have fun, you know the rules, don't drink, don't get in the car with anybody who drinks, don't smoke cigarettes, but they gave her a taste of freedom, Mm mm-hmm. And because of that, she never did anything yep. wrong. She got to live that experience but not make the bad choices because her parents gave her the trust.
2: I think there's tremendous this. value in that. I, I I always this has been my, my my standard operating procedure with my kids and now my grandkid is you, you stretch their your, their capabilities towards adulthood. You don't want to turn them into adults when they're three years old. But while
1: they're with you. But while they're with mm-hmm. you,
2: you find ways of, you, know, you treat them like adults. You treat them like they're smart. You treat them like they're, they're absorbing Keepable all milk. the things that you have to offer them when you confine them. I mean, my, I, my, my daughter has uh, some chickens on her farm over in Eastern Washington. And the chickens are really good about staying in the coop because it's what they know, and they know when you're coming out there to feed them, and they're, they're, they know what to do they, they It's part of that process. Mm-hmm. My dog is with me in my r v, and when I take him out of the r v. he knows to stay with me and, and he knows you know where to to go to do his business and everything like that. He knows it's a part of that training. Mm-hmm. The best kind of prison is the prison you don't know you're in, yeah. And you can confine a lot of people. You can confine kids into a prison, a prison of their own, of your design. And you can confine adults in a prison mm-hmm. without them realizing it. Yeah. Oh. And my feeling is that humans need to be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from a young age, we need to demonstrate what what that freedom means and what that's about. Yeah. yeah. Help
1: them through those situations for sure. Absolutely. It's actually why I would never recommend public school. Is there's just this.
2: Get your kids out of public schools. Seriously, And that's a prison, by the way. Their mm-hmm. con- kids are conditioned to behave in, in as Correct. though they're in prison. The mm-hmm. Bell rings, they're supposed to be in their seat. Mm-hmm. If they get out of line, then there's an authority figure who tells you you should do something differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get out, outside time for a certain amount of time, just like in prison. Uh, there's a lunch line cafeteria where they serve you slop on a tray, just like in prison. It's not very different, but they're conditioned mm-hmm towards that but if you can free them and demonstrate I'm not saying let them go do whatever you, no. but do you have some order, some guidance mm-hmm. but show them what freedom looks like and let them explore the boundaries of who they are and all that's possible in the world mm-hmm. and they will they will blossom, blossom. Yep. they will thrive. I know.
1: Last Group question think is terrible. Groupthink yeah. in a public is, school is, is so what public schools are all about. Okay, yep. so yeah last question.
0: Sorry. Last question uh, you saw Trump is uh, got indicted, mm-hmm. and I know that you were a big fan of Donald Trump. Is he still who you're backing? Personally, uh, I I love Donald Trump. I do
2: too. I do. I think he's amazing. I think he went up against the deep state, and and they couldn't kill him, like mm-hmm. the deep state did with with Kennedy, mm-hmm. um, and possibly was involved in, in removing Nixon from office, although Nixon wasn't a conservative, but it was the same kind of dynamic that I think took place there as well. Um, so uh, D- Donald Trump is, is, is a human being. He's not perfect. He's a politician. He's not perfect. Um, but I think the indictment was, is a bunch of um, how should we put this politely bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's Trump Indictal. Trumped up yeah. charges, for lack of a better description. There's – they, they they they've twisted the the law in every way possible to make it into a felony to fit a narrative, so that people can go around and say, "Yeah, but he's got 34 felonies. Um, he's he's facing prison time. That's what that was for." Absolutely, I love Trump. I think that he's the best president this country has mm-hmm. ever had, hands down. Mm-hmm. That is my personal opinion. I think he's better than Reagan. I used to. I too. Um, too. And mm-hmm. and I think he's better than DeSantis, quite frankly, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yes, for a lot of yeah. reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. Same. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like I don't know who else is running, and I don't know who else. Well, there's, be better. there's gonna,
0: it's gonna be a, a pretty full field. And look, there's a lot of people who are, who are pretty good. We had know? like
1: 16 last time. I'm like, look at all these great Republican choices. And then it was like, ooh, or, or uh, you not. know what's funny or about not, or not or not or not.
2: <laughs> well, a, I mean, a, but it was so easy to to, to pluck those people yep. off. After a while, I was like, okay, Marco Rubio, <sighs> yeah. Marco
0: Rubio, are you kidding me? Jeb Bush, please clap. Jeb, no, please clap, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having this uh long formatted conversation. Yeah, it was fun to talk. We covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know it's going to be a lot of editing. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Cameras. I'm sorry about No, that. no, it's totally fine. It's, it'll come out. It'll, it'll be, it'll be twenty
2: it. minutes long because we'll get tired, fall asleep. you like, I can't do this. No. <laughs> it this,
0: so this will come out Monday. Uh, so I have all weekend to edit it. Okay. I usually usually stay up till about four o'clock in the morning editing and getting it uploaded on all the sites so yeah uh, thank you guys for tuning in yeah. uh, if you like the Idaho Freedom Foundation what he talked about today make sure to visit their website and that is. Idahofreedom.org. Idahofreedom.org.
2: Everything you ever want to know about the Freedom Foundation is on that website. Don't listen to the rumors. It's all, it's all plain as day. And, and, and to the answer to the question, if there's dark money from out-of-state coming to the Freedom Foundation, I am not doing my job because I
0: haven't collected any of it. So, <laughs> whoops. Dark well, money's on the other side. I don't it's know. all on the other side. Yeah, yeah and you Go can also make AI. a donation there if, if you want to support the organization and see the 12 points and how they rate bills. Again, remember, they're not rating legislators they rate bills and it's based off of what a bill does yeah what a bill does all right everybody take care